podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Rap, Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, Melissa Reddy, Mike Nevin and Daniel Morgan with you for the next, oh, I'd say about 50 minutes or so, maybe a little bit longer. Talking about firstly why Liverpool won't just buy someone, uh, also the way in which things are shaping up. If anyone's expecting a surprise, I've got it all written down here, the outs um, and the fact that the pre-season appears to be broadly speaking settled. Mel may know more than me on that one. And these weird rule change discussions that are ongoing at the moment right the way across the football world. Uh, we're going to work through all of that with you for the next, let's say, 50 minutes. Or so, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, but we will start Daniel Morgan with why wouldn't Liverpool just bloody well buy someone? <laughs> I think, in my opinion, I think they've been a little bit unlucky with the uh, the top targets. I think they've maybe just come across, um, in the case of Van Dijk, Cater, Salah, three very stubborn clubs uh, under different circumstances. And if you think you look at the uh, the, the lesser targets, if you like the the Sessignons, there's reports that like he wants to stay in London, for example. So I think that maybe they're just biding the time a little bit, especially in terms of someone like Van Dijk and, and just sitting tight and, uh, and and waiting to get those deals over the line and play, playing it a bit more patient. But there is the there's the worry that that's conflicting with what Klopp wants. He might want them in early, good to go pre-season. We know that he places a lot of emphasis on training and stuff. So. Um, I think we just need to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Um, Mel, we're going to come on and talk about the pre-season schedule in a minute. Uh, but before then, when we say we know Klopp wants them in, uh, when when is the when is the first day of, of, of training back? What, what what will be his target date in order to get at least two or three of his targets in? Yeah, usually it's the start of July, first week in July, which is optimum for those um, like the domestic friendlies to have players in, which is largely what happened last summer. Uh, Gini Wijnaldum linked up with the squad in America quite early and he has said that that is his preference. I think it's the preference for any manager who places uh, a high emphasis on training and that those kind of demands on his players that, that club does do. Um, he did, however, admit when he was speaking about transfers and that postseason friendly that this year it'll be different. It might be difficult to get them in early. And I think that's alluding to that point on the level, the calibre of players Liverpool are, are targeting this summer as, as higher quality. And also the clubs are more reluctant to let them go. We're also dealing with a situation where market value this summer is, is utterly ridiculous. Well, no one knows like, it yet. Yeah. Um, it's gone, it's everything skyrocketing for practically any position. Uh, I think Salah is, you know, on course to be completed quite soon. And in this sort of climate that we're talking about, the financial climate, to get him um, for a deal, you know, £35 million plus add-ons is, is great, great, great value for a player you know is absolute fire, is going to... Elevate your attack, which is already good. I mean, th- that's what Liverpool were worried about. They were they wanted players who they knew would come in and be better or as good as the options they had, especially in attack, which is the strongest department. Uh, so yeah, I think once that's over the line, there should be movement everywhere else with all the other main positions. Um, it's I 
did a rare thing yesterday, Mike. I tweeted about football, which is quite yeah. rare for me, uh, certainly current climate. But I said that I basically still, broadly speaking, expected us to buy who we were mooted to buy at the start of the window. We might not get one of them, but I still expect us, broadly speaking, to end up with Van Dyke playing for Liverpool, Seller, Oxlade Chamberlain, Cater, who seems a quiet and strange one, and some degree of a second choice left back. Are you expecting something similar still, or do you think that a couple of those have just become very, very implausible for Liverpool? Um, no, I don't, I don't think any of them have become implausible. It, it's, it's probably more, I saw more embedded that those will be the targets because there's not really any other names cropping up um, other than the sort of the tenuous link uh, yesterday with Aubameyang. Um, but it, the frustration just comes from the fact that there's a bit of business being done elsewhere. City have obviously got off to a relatively, um, cl- you know, sort of quick start with getting their men in early, and Everton are beginning to look at. Look at players and, and, and bring in players or a link with players. So that, in terms of being you know closer to home, there's, there's an obvious frustration there. But I think um, I, mean, I don't know whether you were trying to sort of settle people down and. and um, no, no, I was just I was a bit bored at home. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, I mean it. it to, to, to me, this is all framed around the Van Dyke saga, really, and the fact that Liverpool appear to have, have, have put upon themselves an enforced period of silence just while everything settles down over that particular deal. That's the one I think is, is the key, really. Um, but that's not to say that the Salah deal doesn't get done. That, that, the, that's the one that sparks off the activity. And we might just get a splurge. You know, there might, be, there might be three guys coming in in a week. I think the slight worry for Klopp, really, is that he does like to get his players in early for the pre-season and, obviously, for the pre-season games. They just become affiliated into the squad very quickly. But, as Mel says, it's, about, it's the quality of the additions. Um, we were just chatting before about, you know, if, the, if, if these three or four or five targets come in, it just creates loads of really interesting competition for places. And I think the names that we're talking about would all be expected. You, you, you'd, you'd, you'd describe them as first-team options, and, you know, there's going to be some, some victims along the way, I think, in terms of commanding a first-team place. There's... This, as Mike's sort of saying there, John, there's the scepticism post the Van Dyke incident is, you know, it's understandable that people are looking back that Liverpool have got a bit of a strange history. I think they, they, get, they got the players they wanted last summer, and it's worth probably stating that, but, you know, there is Liverpool's quite a strange history at times in terms of not getting stuff done, and then the Van Dyke thing just does sort of stick out like a sore thumb. And so you can understand why people are sceptical. As I say, I just sort of think Liverpool are going to keep proceeding along those sort of lines for the foreseeable. Yeah, I mean, I think it is probably worth saying as well that we're all hard on the club that we support, you know, and that's been one of the interesting things about doing shows like The Coach Home and 50-50 Football and things like that is when you speak to other fans and they're, they're having the same moans at you, you know, they all think yeah. they're crap at corners, they all think that, uh, that you know, they're not, they're not getting deals over the line, you know, you, you speak to Rebecca Knight and a Chelsea fan who won the league last season, she says that, you know, they haven't, bought, they haven't made, had a decent window in about three years, you know, in terms of the players they, they've actually got in and she's very critical indeed of their outs, you know, and if they, you know, if they end up spending £100 million on Lukaku when he was, he was their player and they never did a, you know, a buyback yeah. clause and blah, 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 and so, you know, just I think it's just a general point that I think we are a bit harsh on ourselves. That said, you know, there have been a couple of quite notable gaffes that in, in terms of in terms of what we've done and, and, and the Van Dyke is kind of one of them really. It's I mean if you feel like saying we'll wait and see where we are at the end of the transfer window, but then, you know, if you feel like it's a bit too late then to, to kind of complain and, and so people people are cautious, people are kind of a little bit worried about just about Liverpool and just because it just feels like this is a summer where we really needed to kick on and it was a good chance to kick on and I think you know you mentioned last season I think maybe people have got you know in the mind as well that the, uh, the Rodgers season where he comes second and 
the, the, the place. Yeah, very much so. I think people really have got that in mind. Yeah, you know, well, last you know, people people last time when we got in the Champions League, we we didn't get the. the the necessary players to kick on and it all kind of you know went went a bit west and so I think that's people's concerns as much as anything Gibbo I've got to tell you this I had a dream about you and I don't know if this like illustrates how sad my life is that I dream about football or, I how, didn't sign me. <laughs> no, or, or how obsessed I am in work but I dreamt that uh, you were out in town, you were on a table, it might have been Mota, I can't be oh, wait, so 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this has happened sure, so regularly. Yeah. Um, had a sh- no, your shirt was off, oh, and you were, yeah. you, you might have been swinging it in the air, but you were definitely stood on a table, and you were chanting, um, shimmy, 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 Mo Salah, la, la, Mo Salah, la, la, and it's probably because I had him on the brain because you know we know yeah. things are moving this week, but yeah, I wanted to share that I. I can see my hips going yeah. to that one. Yeah, I, can, uh, I can imagine it. It's got a bit of everything. Uh, something for the dads um, on top of everything else. There is, I think that is the. It's worth you know the, the strange thing about that fourteen fifteen window, Mike, that John references mm. is is actually well. Lovren's playing for us now. Started last season in a side that comes gets seventy six points. Lallana's become a key addition. Chan's become a key addition uh, within all of that, and you think he's going to get his new deal. So it's a strange window to criticise in the sense that now you can see the fruit of that. But I think that's the issue. It is going back to the timings of things as well. Looking at the way this, the, the, the rest of the top six, the number of points everyone got last season, mm. everyone strengthening, you just know we've got to hit the ground running. I mean, I'm already looking at Palace at home, go a massive game. That's a massive yeah. game, and that's the second game of, course, of the season. Th- that's just the pressure that any you know sort of up- upcoming season brings, and it, it is interesting looking back on, t- on 2014. Although, the, I think each of the three players that you mentioned there took a year really to sort of find themselves as Liverpool players, find themselves under under a different manager than the one that, that um, you know effectively signed them. So so that that's interesting in a, in a sense. But the, I think that the, the difference really between the targets that were after this year and and that group of players who were brought in on mass and it was six or seven weren't the additions in 2014. It's it's the it's the respective quality of them, and I think they're all sort of expected to be those first team players. That creates difficulties and I think what's compounded the frustration um, is the fact that obviously Klopp did that um, I think it was the, the post it was at the end of the season after the middle Middlesbrough game yeah. where he said that most of the talking had been done that the targets re- really sort of sending out a message that our targets were the ones that he <laughs> that he's obviously spoken to or you know obviously tapped up if you if you want to use that phrase um, and that nothing's happened since then I mean and people are bound to be frustrated because you know obviously we've got we've got a gap to, to bridge on on Chelsea, if, you, if you're looking right to the top, it was a bit, it was a big gap by the end of the season, and just every year there's this thirst for new players. I mean, more so now perhaps than ever. Um, people are aware of the fact that we've had a, a negative spend over three consecutive windows. There's more TV money. There's just an expectation out there that Liverpool go out and spend the money, and obviously that's what was that was all that was also linked uh, leaked to the press prior to the end of the season that you know they'd, they'd have an unprecedented amount of money to spend this summer. That all of that Dan is is what feeds into this. It is you know Mike expands the point there. It was there was that feeling of look look at us go now and we haven't gone yet and that I think is you know and and it's where it is worth pointing out that that we're we're, we're on the verge of it being a month now. It's the nineteenth day. The last game of the season was the twenty first of May. So you know it is that that moment now of well. If you're going to do, if all the talk is going to be watch Liverpool go this summer, it's going to be something a bit different to what you've seen before. And then it isn't. Then people are understandably going to going to grow frustrated as it wears on. Maybe 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 they'll be proven incorrect, but they are going to be frustrated. Yeah, definitely. And I think it feeds into a wider issue as well of the feeling that people 
sometimes feel that they don't have enough feedback from the club or enough of a just a general voice at the club um, in line with some of the, the concerns around the owners and, and FSG and how they conduct the business and maybe that is feeding into um, into the anxieties as well. But I think if you just go back to, to 2014, that, that transfer window, I think that will always be pigeonholed into Suarez leaving and um, Lambert, Balotelli coming in. And I think that that is where people's worries come from in that. They don't look at those those players who are, who are filling the squad um, and are brought in to do specific jobs. They, they're worried about the, the key issues. So if we're looking at this season just gone, we're all worried that, like John says before, we you know we can't defend the corner, so we must sign Virgil van Dijk. Or, you know, some people think that we we look a bit light of a of a, a proven target man up front, so therefore we must go out and sign one of them, whoever that is. So I think that that fed in with the fact that nothing is happening um, is maybe what's what's like I say is worrying people. But I think if you look league wide, I mean, there's bits of people doing bits of business, but. I think there'll just be a surge over the next few weeks. I think I think maybe you might just see it at the turn of the month. I think there might just be a surge suddenly where all all kinds of things start happening, lots of movements, and we'll be involved in that. Um, Mel, uh, the thing we had a little chat, we had a little chat about uh, going right the way back to the straight after the season finished. The other thing that struck me doing the gutter shows with Robin, I've done more of them this year, and all of this sort of stuff is... You know, I mentioned those names at the start, that those names have, have sort of remained one way or another relatively solid. You and I both had a little fancy there might be a surprise somewhere. Do you still think that a surprise might be possible or do you think, looking at it now, the way in which the market's exploded, that for Liverpool to get the, the, the planned players that we discussed is, 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 is going to remain the overall aim, that a surprise, it's difficult to see now with the way in which the whole summer... Where, I just want to explain this a bit further, really, where I've got this thing where basically everyone who's been strongly linked to someone, broadly speaking, is looks like they're just going to go on and get that player. It doesn't seem like a summer where there's a million different things going to happen. Yeah, I, it's probably more unlikely now um, that there will be a surprise. I think the the main targets are pretty much established. Uh, like Klopp said, work's already been done on them. And also, I think they've got very, very lofty ambitions in every position. And... It would be a surprise if they would have pulled one of that off. When we were speaking, that was prior to the the Van Dyke stuff, for example. Yeah. Liverpool putting themselves ahead of Chelsea and City to get Van Dyke. Van Dyke wanting to come to Liverpool. That would have been a surprise to all of us because that's something at the start of when he's mentioned as a target you don't think is possible. Um, but I think as it as it wears on, everything sort of the patterns and stuff become more clearer. But not just for us, for all clubs. So, for instance, yeah. the Aubameyang thing today. You just think, well, Paris Saint Germain have been after you for months, mate. Yeah. That's almost certainly just going to happen. It's not yeah. going to happen yeah. the way in which we might want. They've been doing all the work on the transfer. Yeah, absolutely. And even the fact that you know the first report linking him to Liverpool comes from um, a French publication, just says that that's another. You know, it's a way to put pressure on PSG to, to get that deal over the line. And I think the other thing we tend to forget when we're analysing transfers is the... So we've spoken that Liverpool are targeting a higher quality of player. I mean, Mo Salah is one of Roma's premier performers, one of their key assets. They'll need to replace him. And that's another part of the deal. The club's trying to find who they can get to, you know, fill the boots of somebody who's really, really a good player 
they also have to think, you know, in terms of their budget, what's available, who they need to go and negotiate with. So there's all these knock-on effects. I do think, though, that once Liverpool get into their stride, we will see, um, you know, quite a bit of... Danny Morgan's avalanche, is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, because Liverpool Liverpool are not in for... We know that they're targeting pedigreed players, players who 100% are going to enhance the squad and enhance the first 11 primarily. So it's not going to be like, but I think they will make progress with, with all the main ones that they're after. You're, ex- you're expecting a surprise, John? Or do you think it's, it's not, we're now pretty much set into the pattern where we are? I wouldn't be surprised if there was a surprise. I'm not saying, I mean, can you expect a surprise? But then it's not a surprise, is it? Um, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the last seat, last summer, and Wijnaldum came a little bit out of nowhere, although... I mean, Josh Sexton, who works with us, is writing something on the site, I think, as we speak about about detailing when the, the deals were done in the last, couple, last few windows, really. And I think it's, it's along the point that you were trying to make is that, you know, uh, where we want to expect so much so quickly is that how it's actually actually gone for, for us, even when we've done well uh, in the last few years. And so I'm not, I'm not sure exactly when Wijnaldum was, but it felt like it, it, did, it did sort of come out of nowhere a little bit. I think... You know, if they so if they couldn't get catered, then you might you might see a a fellow you know a bit cheaper maybe sort of you know the like the Zielinski one last year that we didn't know too much about him and suddenly he's being linked for kind of like 10, 15 million quid. You might you might see something like that where he feels like well I can't get me made treated, so I'll take a bit of a flyer on this guy who looks like he's got you know the ability to do what I want a central midfielder to do. You might you might you might see something like that, and I don't know. I'm I'm it might be the dream in me. I'm 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 not as is is downbeat on the on the Obama Yang thing as as you are. I think if if the Paris deal isn't happening anymore for kind of whatever reason, it looks like they've got a bit cold on it, or is that just a negotiation tactic? I don't know, but they look like they've got a bit cold on it. So maybe who knows that the the, the, the the Liverpool sees an opportunity there, and we'll kind of jump in, and, and that can, that can kind of happen sometimes as well. Um, I think under FSG Liverpool's transfer policy or transfer strategy, if you like, has has been a bit unusual and sometimes that's frustrated people but I think it's I think if they if they see a value they'll go and get it. And if they and if they and if they'll they'll kind of I don't think they're a, they're, a, they're a football club who go, oh, we've got £30 million to spend this summer, or oh, we've got £50 million, and when all that's gone, then it's gone, and, you you know, like it, like it, I guess it was in, in the past, you know, under someone like David Moores, who was kind of a bit more careful. I think with FSG, if, I think they, they, the reason they've frustrated us as much as kind of they've been a positive is that I think the, you know, if they, if they see a player and he's 50 million quid, and, and, but, they, but they think he'll be, you know, a really good asset for the club and they think he's got potential resale value if it doesn't go right and things like that I think they'll actually they will actually throw the money in so it's kind of a, a positive and a negative with them mm. really because you get a situation last summer where we all we think they about broke even some people say we made money or whatever but you know they, they get into that situation and I think they're quite relaxed about that but I think they're also I think fairly relaxed about saying yeah alright yeah let's go let's go and try and get him and so that could throw up a bit of surprise that kind of attitude that they have that isn't well we want to be 30 million net this summer yeah, I, I, I agree, John. I think I don't think they've got a problem spending. I think in terms of fear, I don't think they have an issue. I think maybe if they look at wages, I think if wages are astronomical, that's yeah. where they might draw the line because they've obviously got a certain budget and they've got everyone... They seem to have everyone in the squad grouped um, around the same structure in terms of wage, and they don't seem to break that too often. But I agree. I think the surprise might come 
from the secondary target because everyone knows who the first target has been leaked. Uh, are, are we talking surprise in terms of name or for them to do something absolutely ridiculous? Because I think in terms of names, absolutely there will always mm. be second, third, fourth target even for every position, yeah. especially if you if you get stonewallers like Leipzig. But in terms of a surprise like them doing something at, like where everyone's like, oh my oh, yeah. gosh, I can't believe that's happened. I think there is a, there is the possibility of a transfer season is always mental, but I think that possibility lessens the more of um, the more they get their first choices in. Because I think this, the where you open yourself up to a surprise or, or that element of doing something crazy is, say you can't get Cater, who you willing to spend fifty million pounds or whatever on. And um, so you think, okay, the second option is only going to cost 18 million, 20 million. You're thinking that other money, he's just become available and we've now got an extra 25 million or so to throw at this deal. Let's do that over the line and further enhance our attack. But I yeah. think the likelihood of that happening lessens the more of their first targets they get. Yeah, they just seem a lot better at, uh, at masking the, the secondary targets, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. When Alden came out of nowhere last yeah. season, yeah. is what I remember, just as a case in point for that. But yeah, I mean, they, they, yeah, it's, it's sort of four or five defined names on a list for for those five positions, if you like. But there's there's no other names really out there, is there, that yeah. people are speculating against. So, but I, I mean, I wouldn't rule out, rule out the idea that someone completely left field comes comes in late on. I mean, it'd be naive of Liverpool not to be on the lookout for all players that are available across because you, you don't know whether you're going to get your intended targets and you've got to be, you've got to be reactive to situations yeah. at the best yeah. of time. Um, Sometimes a player who's unavailable suddenly becomes available. Becomes available. Yeah. And, and, and everything changes as well. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that Klopp's prone to flights of fancy, but uh, he's just like any other manager. If a player becomes available, he thinks he can definitely improve my first 11, then... You know, Liverpool's stance may change uh, later on. I mean, you know, you, what we've what we haven't done consistently over previous windows is is go in late, and you know, the sort of deadline day has become something that's complete anathema to Liverpool. I, mean, I wouldn't rule out that maybe just once this year that that might be slightly different for Liverpool. It's important, Mike, just to you know pull it back around to the the you know off the back of last season, off the back of the general sort of feeling of optimism. It's, I think it's important for everyone to that that Liverpool start the season or at least start. The start that weird second start of the season on September the 9th against Manchester City, that game might get moved, but start that part of the season feeling as though the club's done everything it could and it's genuinely improved. I think that's important across the board, really. I think it'll probably be also important internally. We're talking here about employees as well yeah. who would like to have a, a, you know, footballers themselves aren't stupid, uh, coaching staff aren't stupid, scouting staff aren't stupid. Everyone, I think, internally there for morale or want to feel as though we're ready to make... We, we've at least given ourselves the best chance of making a leap forward. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, the particular memory that we have is that summer, I think, 2013, when there was the Dempsey thing, and that was right at the end, and that created a real sort of negative mood mood around the club. And the other sort of key difference this year as well is we're not really losing, or it's certainly on the face of it, we're not losing a key player. Yeah. So we are building from a position of strength. We're back in the Champions League. Don't want to repeat the mistakes of 2014. And at other times as well, when Liverpool as a club could have pushed on, you know, if you want to go back to, to 2002, it was about getting ultimately brought in the wrong players when we looked in a position of strength. Um, but I think supporters' mindsets absolutely key in all of this. And you know, if Liverpool are able to secure the targets that we're talking about, you know, they've every right to, to, to feel 
a bit uh, a bit hard done by and and you know a little bit flat going into the season. So it's absolutely imperative that the deals that we're talking about that at least three of them get over the line. Um, yeah. Um, moving it forward, then the other thing is the outs. We we presume. Uh, Mel, that you know, we, we act as though all these we, we very much want Liverpool to drive a hard bargain on the one hand, and then we get annoyed when we're trying to buy people and they're trying to drive a hard bargain yeah. back at us. Um, but again, what's difficult, I think, for every club, and I think it's going to be harder actually for the bigger clubs who are doing the off cuts this summer, is sort of working out where you price them. You know, there's I was stunned to see Markovic linked to Watford for £20 million, yeah. uh, absolutely stunned, but then sort of, well, why not? If you know what I mean, that becomes part of your, your thinking on this can become well, so, well hang on if we're looking at you know if player X is now a 50 million pound player then why isn't Markovic you know who was a young exciting talent remain sort of a 20 million player he did, he did reasonably well at Hull it's that's the big one that's been linked at the moment but you know the, the Liverpool have got those that list of saleable assets still sitting there yeah there's there's loads of them I think also the position will always be to ask for the highest possible price and then negotiate your way from there they did that well last summer, and um, they've been very, very good actually in terms of getting either recouping their food or making a profit on fringe players or players who have absolutely no place. I can't wait to see what we've done to Bournemouth for this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, and I think that trend will continue as well because the clubs lower down also have money and they're desperate to invest, and that factor of Premier League proven is is of a higher concern for them because they can take less risks than than the bigger clubs and you know have less often um overall attractiveness pool for those kind of players from abroad whereas players here know them so i think you know they're willing to pay that extra to get a deal over the line for somebody they pretty much know what they're what they're getting or what they're in for um there's a few still i think that haven't probably uh, attracted the interest that they should be. Alberto Moreno, AC Milan and Inter Milan both made in, like loose inquiries earlier on. He wants to go to Spain, but there hasn't been an offer forthcoming for him yet. Um, you know, Mamadou Sacco, given the, the interest in centre-backs with all top clubs and the secondary clubs needing a centre-back, you'd feel that they would get a really good price for him. Um, there, a few of the kids are likely to leave as well because I think it's pretty certain which youngsters are going to kick on, not just from the ones who did it this season, but you you already know the succession with Brewster, and it, it's it's pretty um, I think clear in, in that regard. So I, I don't think there'll be massive outs that affect Liverpool or the first team shake up. Uh, much it will be all those who are on the fringe who who are out on loan that go the other two being Lucas and and Daniel Sturridge both depending on what offers come in it's a lot of this stuff it looks looks to me John as though this could all actually go really late for Liverpool uh, that we that when we are talking about what Liverpool are or aren't doing on the 31st of August it might actually be in terms of players leaving the club and there is that strange and I feel a bit sorry for I was there's always I think when there's been a change of manager or a change of setup at the club there's always a like a mini generation of young players who one or two just seem to miss the boat at the time and seems like it's all wrong one way or the other I think Ryan Kent could yeah. well be an example of that where he looks like he's got tons and tons and tons of talent but for some reason, it's not. You, you just can't quite see how how he progresses into sort of challenging for a first team place at the club. 
Yeah, it's about getting your debut at the right time, isn't it? And and the games fall in at the right kind of time for you as well. Sometimes I think for some of the outs as well, it, it might just depend on kind of who we get in and how many. And I think we we assume sometimes that the club's death sets on on everyone who's leaving. But I think sometimes it can get you know if if everything goes great and we get everyone in we want, you might just start having a look around and and and. Start thinking. Well, I've got to be honest with that lad. I don't know where he's going to get his game. And you know, you're looking at kind of league cup sides and things like that. And and, and suddenly there's players who who are decent international players who, who you needed to play in those. And you know, to use Ryan Kent as example, he might be one that you look at and think, well, is there any point sending him out on loan again? You know, is is you know, you can play under twenty three. So I, I gather the club wants to have a look at him more closely, and and he's going to play under twenty three games. But is is that something that he's keen on? Um, you know, so I think I think for a few of them it might be a case of you know seeing how many we get in. He'll have a look at them in pre-season as well, and I think pre-season's obviously big for this manager in lots of ways. You know, he's when he, he likes to drill them, and Mel got to watch that firsthand last summer, and you know how he likes to drill them. But also, it's 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 a time when you you can get it, you can get his attention, and that's what happened with with Ajaria last summer in particular. You know, it was the, the players who were saying, telling the manager how good he was, how good his touch was, and, and how impressed they were by him, and. And so you know, it, 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 you might just wait and see with a few, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a case for a, for a few of them who are around the sort of nineteen to twenty-two age. I think younger than that, he's probably kind of made up his mind. But I think for those who are nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-two, might just be see you know how they handle themselves. You know, going away with Liverpool. You know, yeah. do they do they step up, look look like part of the squad, and look or or do they, are they a bit overawed by it all with the, with the big crowds? And they, you know, they, they sold out the Hong Kong game in half an hour, which. So it's what a, a big draw Liverpool still are. So a lot to play for, for, for a few of them, I think. I think it was, it was quite interesting what Klopp said over the weekend about the, the players that have made the progression to, to um, from the academy. So the, the likes of, of uh, Brewster and Wilson and obviously Trent and, and in particular Will Byrne as well, that, that he doesn't, he was asking them all about pushing on, you know, making the next step. And I wouldn't rule out the idea that, you know, all of those are very much part of his plans in, in, yeah. in terms of playing games because... Having sort of made something of a breakthrough last year, the, the danger is that you have a year where you, you're not involved at all in first-team action. If Liverpool secure all the targets and players remain fit and they're back, completely back on the outside, I, 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 don't think, I, I think he's got more ambition to keep them involved and, and, and keep them playing games. And possibly with Shea Ojo as well. And, Happy yeah. birthday to Shea. 20, 20 today, he's still only 20. And yeah. he was so ex- I mean, lots of people of us watched that England of the 20s run and, you know, he was an impact sub and, and what an impact sub he was. And I'm sure Jäger was watching that thinking, well, if he can do something similar for us this season, then he's a, he's a great option of the bench. He sort of lost the year last year, didn't he? Which is yeah. a shame because he'd look good in pre-season. I think that, and so. I think that is a, a danger with younger players. And you often, you often get it as well in pre-season when before... Players come back from international tournaments, and younger players get the chance playing in the first team setup, albeit in friendlies, and they look really, really, really promising. And then you don't see them really feature throughout the season. Now, mm. it was good last year that we we got the chance to see Wood Woodburn progress, certainly uh, Alexander Arnold um, make progress, and then introduce those other younger players as well. But it, it is important that, that, that you know they're still around the, the first team pitcher, and that they are getting games to just fill at their progression as well, rather than making five or six appearances and then the following year making one or two. When you've got someone like Milner as well saying, you know, getting genuinely enthused by when he had the interview at Uniel and he's saying, you know, these are the three. plugged on. There you go, mate. <laughs> Theanfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe. Uh, me talking to James Milner for 25 minutes. Go ahead, mate. Five pounds a month. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he genuinely, you can see the look on his face. He's genuinely enthused. And someone with his experience saying, you know, these three young lads, uh, basically saying, he did, 
they're as good as he's seen as coming through any club at any one time. So I think that when we look at transfers and stuff, we can maybe lose sight of how much these lads are developing under our noses. Yeah, beyond the ones that, like we mentioned, the pool that you know are who've made it la or bridged the gap last season and who potentially could bridge the gap this season. I think a lot of the ones that have gone out and loan and stuff, while there would be the um, willingness to keep them at Liverpool and help their development continue at Liverpool, if there are offers that make sense that will further aid a player's development, I think Klopp's shown that he's quite eager to let them go and kick on somewhere else. I think even last preseason he was talking about you know getting them as fit as possible and if they do get the chance to to go and have a career for themselves, uh, he'll facilitate that. I think we're all quite idealistic sometimes when it comes to the kids because there's a part of us who wants all of them yeah. to make it and all of them to play for Liverpool and it's it's impossible for that to happen and the academy actually prepare them for that fact and do all these very great programs uh, in terms of other careers but also teach them how if it doesn't work at Liverpool that's not the end of the road there's all the there's these clubs that look at what this player went on to do at this club and look at how his career kicked on um, so I think if there are offers that make sense for the club but more especially for a youngster they'll look at that Okay, um, that's worked through just about everything that there is to work through at the minute in terms of the ins and the outs of the club, uh, unless anyone's got anything else that they think is particularly pressing. Any? No surprises on the outs, I don't think, either. I think we'd all sort of broadly agree with that. It's, John, pre-season is, it's, it is looming large on the horizon all of a sudden. Uh, I think it's about 25 days until we play, we play Tramia um, at this stage. And it's, the thing, one of the things that I take from it is it's very similar to last year. Um, there's, 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 you know, in terms of the, that start, those early games, there being a cross-continent tour. Admittedly, there's less time on that sort of cross-continent tour, and presumably less training on it. But if there's a, if there's a thing that Liverpool may well take from from last season, it may well be that they want Liverpool to start as intensely as they were able to, and put the same sort of two or three months together at the start of the campaign. Yeah, I'm sure they will want to start exactly the same in terms of you know intensity, just look, looking sharper than everyone else. I mean, it's a lot of games of football, isn't it, which suggests to me that he's thinking, I'm going to have a big squad and I want to get them all kind of out there, get them all playing. Um, they've got the Hong Kong trip um, and it's, it's, a, it's going to be a short one from, from what I gather. I think they're going to, they're going to be there, you know, there if, if six days max and that's two two games and then there's obviously the trip to Germany which is a lot more about conditioning so I think I think Klopp is is pragmatic he knows that Liverpool's a massive club and he knows the tours are important from a commercial point of view and from a point of view as in well you know you need to get out there and see these fans if we want them to to buy into the concept of Liverpool Football Club and I think he's fine with that but I think he's he's generally of the opinion of well you know these these kind of you know long long trips and you know it, it, Think, think of the past really you know I think I think the the down to you know five or six nights at most considering considering they're doing two games but then he's got this one in Germany which I think is going to be more of a slog it's going to be more of a lockdown I think it's going to be one where you know James Pierce taking pictures over the top of the air <laughs> over the top of the wall and stuff like that oh, yeah. unfortunately for James standing um, on the bin 
Sorry. Standing on a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put you on my shoulders, mate. <laughs> I'll go over. We'll, we'll take it in turns. Um, so I think it's going to be uh, that, that by the sounds of it more of them. But yeah, just just kind of lots of game of football and lots of opportunities to go to go and see the events for people. You know, if they if they're out and about as well. It's a big square to circle, Mike. You know, we talk a lot about. It. It's fair to say that you know, I think that everyone in the room, but that you and I, you know, we've talked in the past about being really quite proud of Liverpoolians. The idea that you want the the club mm. and the city to be linked, and part of that is that the club, therefore, you want it to showcase itself around the world. And therefore, by effect, showcase the city around the world, you know. But simultaneously, you want them to win. So, you know, we don't want them just going on tour endlessly from the 1st of July until the, 12th, the 11th of August and coming back and going, oh, no, what do we do now? It does seem like, you know, it's, it's one of those areas where you suspect there's always going to be tension within the club as to how best to do this. There's not going to be one right answer because there's actually lots of different areas of the club culturally, yeah. psychologically, physically, they need different outcomes. Well, I mean, I, I, it's just an essential part of the modern game with clubs like Liverpool that have got a global fan base. You, you, you've got to get out there and, and connect with those people. Um, the football side of it, I mean, I'm sure Klopp would absolutely love not to be going on, on that trip. Uh, albeit Camp in Scotland, that's that what he wants. That it's just, yeah, albeit that it's a much shorter one this year. Um, it is disruption, it's not ideal. You know, there's the, the, there's the travelling, there's the climate all those things which will just eat into a little bit of the preparation um, but as Gibbo says there the, 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 the Germany trip just looks like absolutely you know, sort of right up his street in terms of getting the players as, as fit as he can in a relatively short space of time the interesting thing really I suppose around the, the pre-season fixtures is, is just how, how much intensity they put into them because obviously the season starts a little bit earlier this year I think uh, it's a week earlier than it was last year yeah. and Liverpool are very very quickly into those Champions League qualifi- qualifiers once the first league game's uh, out of the way so the team does have to be absolutely primed very very early um, and as I say that, that will have an impact not just on the way that they train but the way that they approach the friendlies as well I think it's important to remember that it's his first full pre-season without a major tournament I mean he had uh, he had one last season where players were coming back staggered and at different times and that may be fed into the preparation and how he better players in. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he goes at it in terms of the friendlies, whether you might see a few a few more of the big hitter players. Uh, you like to see Wigan and Tranmere, whereas you didn't last season. Obviously, it was it was a look at the, the younger lads while the others were still away, and uh, and you see how he, he beds them in and he gets his team ready. I read something that was. Uh, was a quote from him when he, he was talking about the Audi Cup and, and playing Bayern Munich and he, he alluded to taking a, a strong a stronger side as possible there and putting a stronger side as possible out. But I think it's really interesting as well that we're, we're participating in the Premier League trophy with, uh, with Leicester, West Brom and Palace. Palace. Yeah, and I don't know whether that's by design or choice. I think. It, I think I would think I would imagine you'd rather not be playing them. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I just I just wondered whether there was something in that in terms of you know we had the old perception of Liverpool struggling against that breed of team last season and, and whether he's you know whether he's he's angled to, to get Liverpool in that to, to just get them some more experience against those sides and maybe pit himself against those sides with his players. I don't know, but a lot of it will feed into the condition and the players and in the run-up to the start of the season, so we're good to go. I think you still you still get will get an element of a staggered return though, because you've got to remember that uh, Lalana was still on England duty up yeah. until about ten yeah. days ago. Coutinho's been away as mm. well, um, so there will be one or two. I think will be on a slightly different schedule. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, what you're saying about the the opposition there? I mean, traditionally Liverpool have always had what you'd call prestige friendlies, and it's been the likes of AC Milan and Bayern Munich, always big names. Barcelona last year. Um, we haven't really got that this year, and that that is a, that is a key difference, really. I think. There's 
the other key difference, as Mel, you mentioned there, that the, the time frames of, of everyone sort of mentioned the time frames. There is going to be, you know, you saw them last season, there is going to be a real focus in terms of wanting to get them back from Hong Kong, I think it's fair to say, get them there with the minimum of fuss, get them back with the minimum of fuss and get them working. And I think that's what we're... That's, you know, I, I wonder, and I suspect you'll know more than I do, if very much the Hong Kong thing is almost seen as like almost like a mini break in between two really quite intense uh, periods of conditioning. And, you know, the other thing to point out as well is there was the training video of Henderson that came out during the week. I sat opposite of James Milner. These are very fit lads. Yeah. These are very, very fit yeah. lads who are, not, who are not becoming less fit anytime soon, if anything. Yeah. A, fair, a number of them will actually be taken this summer to actually get themselves into be the best possible condition for the start of pre-season training. Yeah, they've all already got individual programmes that they get given to work on while they're on holiday, so have as much fun as you want, lads, but this is also part of your commitment to ensure that when you come back, you're coming back in a shape that we require you to because the demands are going to be absolutely, probably more intense than they were last season, I can imagine. Um, I, I will they see, just out of interest on that, will they see last season's fitness and the intensity of last season? I was thinking about this the other day, not as that's the aim, that's the pinnacle, but instead of something to build on. Yeah. So the idea isn't just that you'll be, you'll get back to being as fit as you were last season, but we'll actually see that as a jumping off point to go up another level this summer. Yeah, absolutely. That exactly is the plan. That, exactly that. Um, I think they've come to a to a balance because, like you say, there's so many departments to appease. You obviously have to you're an international club, a globally recognised club, so yeah, there is the fans element, the fact that you've got to go and market yourself there, commercial partnerships, there's all those things to play that play into it that as club, you have to oblige to, so I think the, the Hong Kong element of it is obviously that, but they've struck a, a, a healthy balance because he's got this Germany camp where it will only be business, business on that training pitch. And I think it was sort of what we saw at Palo Alto with that being their base and that was, you know, where all the shape work was done with the game sort of, you know, just a, just a filler for or an extension off their, their training sessions. Um, I think we'll see more or less of the same, that all their main work will be done in Germany post that Hong Kong trip. Uh, obviously at the start of pre-season as well, just making sure everyone is at the same level or, or at the required level for when it gets to that part of, um, of pre-season when they do set themselves up for the start of the season, which we saw, I mean, last year, how, how well it worked to run them ragged and <coughs> when the season starts, they just they carry that momentum through, which is probably will be the aim again, yeah. Um, all right then. Um... We're looking to go to Dublin, just to let you know, if you're listening. Uh, we're not 100% yet, we're looking to go to Dublin. Uh, and there'll be news on other things as and when. Uh, as and when they come, John, is that fair? Yeah, I'd say we're 96% of the way to uh, confirming our Dublin. It'll be the night before the game, and we'll be doing something on the day of the game as well with uh, friends over there. Uh, indeed, we will be uh, doing that with uh, yes, with, with some people. So we'll have more information on that one once we pulled it all together. We're getting there. Um, I just want to do one more little thing because it strikes strike me something we were actually talking about during last season. I'll go to you first, John, actually, on this because me and you were talking about it a lot. There's this sort of strange FIFA panel at the minute which discusses rule changes and the way in which they're all stated, it just seems absolutely ridiculously extreme. But the one that stuck out for me was this idea of that they wanted to address the idea of turning halves into 30 minutes, but with the clock aggressively stopping and starting. Because it, 
to me, I mean, it's interesting because it's actually a solution to a problem that I think is a genuine problem. I think we saw it last season a lot. Liverpool saw it a lot last season. That there's a real that that sides looking to take time out of the game, etc., etc. It, it feels like a, a too radical solution when the laws of the game already exist to do something about this. But it's interesting that it's, it's at least ended up on someone's list or someone's agenda. Yeah, I mean, this seems to happen every year and it seems to be, I don't know, we've all worked in companies where people go, oh, let's have ideas and people just say stuff because they've sort of got to. Still working on one, John. <laughs> no, we've got too many ideas. Um, we just need more hours in the day. But but I think they, they, they kind of do, do exist sometimes. You wonder whether this is, OK, we'll bring us something and, and they, they know that they're going to get ten of them and eight of them are going to be mad. Yeah. And one of them, there'll be something in it, although it's presented a bit mad, but one of them might be something that they can use. And we've kind of had this before, you know, really, and, and not necessarily this one, but I tried to have a look when I saw this, whether it was documented, because they've said that the ball is roughly in play for an hour, but I tried to have a look to see if there was any way you could see where... It's about 65, I think. Yeah, where you could see the differences that I was interested in. Yeah. So if there's if there's if there's a team you know if you're playing, you know, Stoke, yeah, versus you know go to Arsenal last season, first game of the season, both teams want to win it, both teams going for it and sort of stuff. How 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 what what is the variance? If someone can can point me in a direction of someone who studied this, basically what I'm saying is, is it a bigger problem than we think it is? I mean, you, I'd, I'd say that it's probably minimal, you know. Yeah, I, I would. Um, and it, that, it would be interesting to get the exact stats, but I don't think you in in any way you get in a game. Where the ball's been in play seventy minutes versus say fifty-five, and yeah. I just don't think that happens. Um, and as you were saying before about fans being sensitive, you, 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 you're always mo- most sensitive about games that you're involved in. And if there's a, your opponent obviously taking time out of the game, it's incredibly frustrating. It's not not great for the spectacle, but I think you just feel it a little bit more. Um, you know, when, when you're watching your own team, and to, to me, it just with, with a game that's conversely so fluid as football. How, how that can actually work, moving it closer to the way that it would operate in another sport like basketball or whatever. I just, I just can't see that happening. I think basically what you've got to do, or what would be more likely, is that if they are looking at it as a serious proposition, is that you get a much stronger directive uh, as far as the referees are concerned, and that obviously they've got scope to penalise it now, but there's, they're actually going to be monitored much more closely to make sure that they are. Yeah, and, and maybe a proper arbiter of, of added time who was doing it based on stats, because at the well, moment... That would be a massive improvement, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, because at the moment the fourth official puts it up, but from what I gather, it's the ref who, who indicates... Who sort of indicates, and, and, well, and again, with that, regardless of what game you've watched, unless there's been a long in, injury stoppage... It's almost like just a given that it's going to be three or four minutes. Two in the f- one or two in the first half and three yeah. or four in the yeah. second. Yeah. So I mean that's that's the fact that that isn't policed and monitored more more rigorously. I think is is actually more of a question. There's uh, just by the way, I've just pulled I've pulled something out from uh, a piece of research that I just found very quickly. Effective ball in time. It's only from 2010-11. It is interesting. Quick, just on this that uh, in in 2010-11 that they limited the. Someone measured up to, via, up to the amount of time the ball was in play, and the three matches uh, where the ball was in play the least, the ball was in play for 44 minutes. The the one with the most was 54 minutes. 42 games had 54 minutes. The number of matches for that one, 44 minutes though. The three matches were Blackburn Rovers versus Stoke City, Sunderland versus Newcastle United, and Stoke City versus Sunderland. Which we've got, <laughs> we have we have at least. I mean, yeah. you know, correlation is not causation, but there is something to note there. Uh, and that, 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 that by the way, the most uh, was 66. 66 minutes was the highest. Um, 
I think it is a tactic. So 44 to 66 that is quite is a widespread. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as I say, the, 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 it peaks uh, very solidly around 50. So 53 is, th- this is going 2011, 2010, 2011, but 53 is 30, 54 is 42, 55 is 29, and 56 is 35, and then uh, 57 is 33. Is that 33 games, you mean? So, yeah, number of games across yeah. the entirety of the whole campaign. So, but, yeah, but there is some, I mean, 44 minutes of football, you'd ask, you'd be asking for your money back, wouldn't you? Well, you uh, <laughs> just blamming it in the stands and keep it on the island. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, I, I think I, I think it's interesting because it has been it it it's been flagged. I think we've seen I've seen Liverpool do it. I've seen Liverpool take time out of the game. Don't get me wrong; it would be completely counterproductive to say that I hadn't. I've seen Liverpool take time out of the game, but you would think at some point somebody that. As Mike says, what this could well end up in is, is trying to empower referees to, to give more yellow cards for ungentlemanly conduct, for time wasting, to get closer on people, to just sort of see it as... Because what I've noticed is more and more the case is sides, not just when you go to Anfield, but they're doing it from the first minute. They're yeah, not just doing yeah. it from 60 when it's become a bit tight and we want to get a result. They're yeah. doing it from minute one. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, the option or the they look at the most drastic ways a solution can be reached to then... There's the drastic option. Okay, yeah. we're going to meet somewhere in the middle, and here's how we're actually going to work around it. Uh, I mean, you know, some of the things we've mentioned already, just minor changes, small things like empowering the referees and letting them know don't tolerate this kind of behavior because it's not in the best interest of the game. Uh, that's a small, a minor detail mm. that would make a, a big difference. So you don't need to do, you know, completely alter things. You just need to make s- small adjustments that essentially will achieve the aim you're after. It's the form of gamesmanship, actually, that does my head in the most, Dan. That's why I put it on the agenda. Like, I'm, I'm sort of... People are going to be conning referees. They're going to be conning referees until the end of time. People, players are going to be diving. They're going to go over too easily. You're going to, footballers are going to claim for throw-ins that they know aren't theirs. They're going to claim for... They, this is literally what happens with football. For me, one of my things is how much time the game actually takes and the fact that, the fact that time wasting now starts so early. I just think, well... And it goes back to what John says before. There is a point where I'm going, well, hang on, we're paying for this. I'd like to see a match, a game of football take place within a decent time frame. Yeah, and that's all relative to how much importance is placed on each individual game and each individual moment in a game and, and everything's scrupulised and analysed. So obviously it's a massive and obvious tactic that people use, but I think I think some of them, I've had a look at them today, I think some of them really do make sense. Like uh, the the player leaving the touch touchline when he gets subbed nearest to him, you know, stops Ashley Young going to the Annie Roll corner flag when Barino's trying to bring him off, you know, under under instruction, things like that. Really do make sense, but I think... lad standing on the centre circle about <laughs> to get subbed. <laughs> well, it was. You literally seen yeah. it last season when he subbed Ashley. No, Lowe I remember. Yeah, sent, yeah. Him, sent him to the, the other end of the centenary. Um, so things like that can 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 take away that deliberate element. I think they just needs whatever they implement needs to be a, a strong level of consistency because yeah. I think we're struggling on consistency. Full stop. We're a broad range of referee and we're struggling on consistency. So. You know, I think whatever it comes in, it needs to be consistent across the board and, and all authoritative figures need to adhere to it to get the message home. OK, I completely agree with that. And also no bald referees. Thank you very much to John Gibbons, <laughs> Melissa Reddy, Mike Nevin and Dan Morgan for coming through, coming with us today on this very hot Monday afternoon in Liverpool. I hope wherever you are, you're going to have a fantastic week. Up the Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.